Welcome to this week's Energy Show. It's my pleasure to welcome Pamela Cargill, Principal of Kaolisti. Pam specializes in process and operational improvements for the residential solar industry. And as the industry's grown, the need for more efficiency has really increased. These companies are getting bigger and bigger, and there's a lot more money being spent on, on operating solar companies. And finding ways to operate more efficiency saves money for the solar installers, and that money is passed down to the homeowners, and they're able to get cheaper systems. So people like me, I run Cinnamon Solar, can learn a lot about Pam's research and insights. So welcome to the show, Pam. Thanks, Barry. It's great to be here. All right. Good, good. Well, it's a, a nice sunny day here in Silicon Valley, and we're getting into the, the peak season for solar. So um, the, the question that I have um, from the perspective of a, a solar installer, what kind of services do you provide? So currently, I'm running my own consulting practice, as you know, and I'm focusing on what I would call sort of traditional management consulting services. So, you know, I, I basically look at ways to streamline processes, to remove waste. Essentially, what I'm getting at is I've spent a lot of time working with some pretty big companies in the industry. Um, you know, I've been in the industry for over 10 years. And a lot of the things that I learned from scaling up small companies into large companies are the things that I'm trying to now package to bring to the smallest installers in the industry who really desperately need those efficiencies so they can stay competitive. So, so it's kind of like you, you've learned from your experience and, and uh, working at other companies and, and there's, there's the right things to do and there's the wrong things to do. And you're, you're trying to convey that information out to other companies so they don't repeat the mistakes. They just do it right the first time. That would be ideal. <laughs> yes. Yep, yep. And so who are your typical customers? Are they manufacturers of equipment? Are they the small, tiny installers? Are they the big installers? Give me a little bit of insight about the range of, of your customers. Mm. So as you know, you know, businesses evolve over time. And, and when, I first, when I first brought my consulting practice to market um, in early 2014, I really wanted to work directly with small solar installers. And what I found out pretty quickly was it's actually really hard as a consultant to work with really, really small businesses. And, you know, as you know, you know, you're a small business owner yourself. I'm a small business owner. And I had to look in the mirror and say, would I be able to hire myself to do this service for my own company. Realizing that I wouldn't be able to do that, I started looking around the industry for, okay, well, who works with the small installers, the people that I want to reach and affect the most? And as I was surveying the industry, I saw, you know, it really is, it's the financiers, the manufacturers, the distributors. Um, software providers, which is a huge booming part of the industry at this point. There's so much software being developed right now for small installers. And, and, I, and I looked at those guys as opportunities that, for people who are, I would say, in the best position to help the small solar installers. So now I'm aligning with them. Right. And, and, and it's, it's, they're in the best position and they actually have money. Well, to hire your service. Well, and, yes. <laughs> and that's that's part of the, the challenge when you're working with or, or selling to the really small companies is they don't have a lot of extra cash slopping around on their mm -hmm. balance sheet anywhere. And they're trying to run as efficiently as possible with as low overhead as possible. And, you know, outside of accounting and legal services and a few other things like that, there's generally not a lot of money to, to hire somebody to make it worth your while. Right. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. So, so that, that's, so, so that's good. Let me ask a question. What are some of the biggest efficiency improvements that, that you see as opportunities at small installers? 
Mm. So at this point, a lot of people in the industry have probably seen, you know, the the DOE sunshot breakdown of soft costs, as they're called. Basically, all the non-hardware costs of delivering your solar project. So it's estimated to be somewhere between 60 to 65 percent at this point. And all of those areas are things like, you know, installation labor, customer acquisition, and on and on. And these are really the big areas of opportunity. What I'm seeing right now is there are a lot of people coming to market trying to solve the customer acquisition problem because everyone thinks that they have a magic bullet that can suddenly, you know, take this expensive, you know, $1,500 to $3,000 cost and, you know, split it in half. But it's, it's really hard to, it's really hard to guarantee those kind of results with marketing. I mean, as you know, marketing is like throwing darts at a board. You know, sometimes you hit and sometimes you miss. Yeah, and yeah. and and the, the the key is to be able to identify when you hit or miss and get some statistics and get some out feedback. of that. Yeah, yeah. 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 What, what what I've seen with customer acquisition is is you know, I've, I've done the little stuff, I've done the big stuff, I've looked at a lot of different things. Uh, by far and away, the most efficient customer acquisition has always been referrals. Yes, it is. And, but referrals don't scale. So mm-hmm. as soon as you get really big, you you got to find customers that aren't based on referrals, and now the costs get higher and higher, and you start to spend a lot of money yes, on customer acquisition. Yes. Oh, that's fascinating, too. So, you know, one of the things that I saw um, taking a, you know, I was the second employee for a small installer back in Massachusetts where I started in the industry. And taking that company from two people to ten people to eight offices, 100 people, and suddenly, you know, largest installer in the Northeast was, you know, we were mostly referral driven. And by the time, by the time we were doing about 70 projects to 100 projects a year, we started getting to the point where we were carrying enough staff that we had to move a lot more cash through the company. And what that meant was we had to start doing more projects. And then we needed to hire more people. And that meant we actually needed to start doing some real marketing. And that's when things started getting really challenging. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you're getting bigger. And now you have to, the, every, every, as the bigger you get, those incremental customers start costing you more and more money. Yeah. So when you're, when you're talking about, you know, in a, a, a regional media rollout with a lot of advertising, that's expensive. And then you need a call center and you need salespeople that are ready to jump on those leads. Expensive. What I found, which is, was fascinating is the different business models that are in this, in the solar industry can support different levels of customer acquisition. So if you're able to sell your system for a lot of money, you can spend a lot of money on customer acquisition. That's true. And, and the financing models, leasing PPAs, the, the cost of the system may not be apparent to the customer, but the, the cash that the installer gets through those Mm. business models is a lot Mm. so they can afford very expensive customer acquisition whereas a lot of the smaller guys can't spend two thousand dollars to get a new customer because then they're going to be priced out of the market Mm. so this is this is the key differentiator that that i've been zeroing in on which is in order to get those referrals there's nothing that beats awesome customer service no and and this is where i'm starting i'm starting to see the landscape ahead is people who do a really excellent job delivering to the customer what they promised during during the sale are going to land those referrals. So what that tells us is well if you start investing in 
the tools, the people, the process that support the delivery of the installation, then you are much more likely to get that referral. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> yeah. my experience over the past dozen years or so. And, and as you as you grow and get really big and you, you've got this operational machine that you have to keep feeding, you got to bang out jobs one a day with every crew or, or more. You can't provide that same level of customer service because the crew's got to be somewhere else the next day. And it, it kind of derails the whole train. Whereas if you stay small, I mean, this is the way I've been operating at, at Cinnamon Solar. It's like, hey, if I got to take another day to do the job, I'm, I'll do it. My guys will work overtime over the weekend. I'm not going to make as much money. But the customers are always delighted. And the other thing that is really helpful is just staying in a very small geographic area. So we could swing by somebody's house in the middle of the day to fix something or mm, yeah. stop by at the end of the day. And it's not that disruptive because we're not too far away. And, and, and that's, that's another reason why there are big advantages to being a small installer because you're going to have better customer service. It's almost inevitable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing with the I, I like how you brought the territory issue, too, because, you know, there as you grow your territory, as you add more operation centers or offices, now you have more overhead. Now you have more complexity and complexity kind of exponentially grows. Um, and so one of the things that I've seen some of the large installers do um, that frightens me is they a lot of them have tried to automate a lot of the complexity through either software tools or business process. And a lot of these things just can't be, they just can't be automated. For instance, and, and I know you surely deal with this, but you know, the more jurisdictions you work in, so as we call it, authority having jurisdiction, um, the more complex you have to <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I lived that 10 years ago, a dozen yeah. years ago, because we scaled up from you know, one office in, in Saratoga and Los Gatos, and then we had offices all over the country. And, and at the time, this was you know, 10 years ago, 2004, 5, 6, my solution was, well, I'm going to start automating all these things. I'm going to have software that's going to handle all the different jurisdictions, and there'll be project management software and everything else. And I invested a lot of money in people and programmers and the whole thing, mm -hmm. and, and it never seemed to work. The jurisdictions kept changing. The rules kept changing. We couldn't translate that information. And you end up, you would have to spend almost more money on software and training than, than you, you would just by throwing more people at the problem. And so I, I'm, I'm, the solution that I finally came to is I'm not, I'm not a smart enough IT guy or programmer guy to figure out how to automate all this. So I'll just stay small and we just kind of keep it all in our head. And it works out really well as long as you're in a small territory. But I, I haven't seen anybody successfully automate that or at least successfully automate it in such a way that the cost of the automation is, isn't um, overwhelming. Yeah, that's the key is you can you can try to build this, you know, behemoth software that, you know, keeps track of all the jurisdictions and design requirements and everything. But in in the end, if you spend the millions and millions of dollars necessary and have the programmers on staff and have them constantly working on it, have a call center that's calling jurisdictions every day. I mean, does that really make sense? Well, we, we, we would try, and we had this big database, and we used Salesforce, then we used NetSuite, and the thing was really slick and working great, but mm -hmm. we would do a job in, say, Nutley, New Jersey in, in, in April, and here's the rules, and we would go get a permit, and this was what the rules would be. And then we would come back, like, you know, in, in, in July to do another job, and for some reason, there's the rules have changed. But we had gone into the into the project, sold the project on the permit, get mm -hmm. ready to go. 
assuming that the rules from a month or two ago were applied. The same thing kind of happens with electric rates. They change or, or new code requirements, California setbacks, different in, municipalities interpret them differently. And, and to me, it fundamentally came down to the fact that we just couldn't guarantee the accuracy of the data that we were making our business decisions based yeah. on because we had to just track so much data. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and, and to your point there, I think that's why efforts like, for instance, uh, solarpermit.org, which, um, you know, Clean Power Finance put that out, and that was a Sunshot-funded project to basically cr- help crowdsource data about all the different requirements across jurisdictions. But because it's always a moving target, people looked at the data there and said, is it right? Is it accurate? How accurate? It was That was the challenge. It was a good idea. And then the, the other dilemma with that, because there was a wiki model that they had looked at using before crowdsourcing became popular. It's mm-hmm. 2006. Problem is that it, it, all the installers would kind of contribute the data to that, but the installers would say, well, wait, I, I just learned about this new rule. I'm not going to tell my competitors about the rule on, on yes. the database, and it just didn't work like that. So so, yeah. it, so we talk about software. What what are some of the other operational efficiency improvements that installers can can do? You know, if two or three bits of advice, if you're a solar installer, what should you do correctly instead of make, make mistakes that we've found? Hmm. So one of the one of the pieces of advice that I learned very early on was make sure you as we say kind of in in process terms, you know, put your decisions as far upstream as possible. So um which is funny because we were just talking about jurisdictions, but you know, if you if you know when you're talking to the customer that say the jurisdiction you're in has certain setback requirements, then you know that you can't fill their roof all the way up to the edges with modules. Because if you do that, then when you go to put in the permit, you're going to have to downsize the system, and then the customer is unhappy. So, you know, again, we keep coming back to this, keeping the customer happy. You know, what can you do to do that? And that's, you know, in terms of, in terms of process design, that's, that's really one of, the, one of the biggest things that installers need to keep in mind is making sure that any decisions, any promises that are that are made during the sales process are actually followed through. And who, so here's the dilemma. Who yeah. makes those promises to the customer? Does the company make those promises or is, the, is it the salesperson who's basically getting a commission based on the number of panels they install? Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. And and this actually moves into the whole the whole concept of are you setting the right metrics to measure your business? And because you you can set up commission structures and metrics that actually negatively impact your own company. You're basically incentivizing your sales staff to make decisions that are going to be problematic down the line. You know? But it's good for them at the time being, and it's good for their commission right. check. Right, right. Yeah, and, and so that's the problem is, you know, it's it's this whole idea of ensuring your key performance indicators are actually indicating the right things and actually setting your business in the right direction. So yeah. everything kind of everything needs to the traffic needs to merge basically. Yeah, yeah. that was that that's a challenge. The way we we solved it at Cinnamon Solar is instead of having commissions, um, we we have bins. So you get X dollars for a small system under five kilowatts, five to ten you get Y, and ten to fifteen you get Z. And we don't do anything over fifteen kilowatts, so it just kind of makes it simpler. And then and then you no longer have situations where 
the roof gets stuffed or the setback requirements are ignored mm-hmm. in the enthusiasm to generate the biggest commission. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You know, that may not really scale to bigger installers, but for us, we're, since we're local, it works out fine. Yeah. And as long as, you know, and the, the challenge with that sometimes, too, is, you know, the competitive bid situation where, you know, you know the local requirements and so you design your system in the setbacks and then competitor X, yep, competitor X comes in and they've filled it to the wall. Well, they say I can get this. You say I can only yeah, get I was this. at a customer's yeah. house yesterday, last night, Montessorino, right around the corner from here. And mm-hmm. he got, you know, he's got some bids and he said, well, the other guy says he can put all these panels on the roof and, and the northwest roof is okay. And I'm like, it's shaded and facing north. And sorry, you're not going to get a lot of output out of that. And, and there's a little bit of a challenge in the industry because this happens again and again is the customers say, you solar people are all telling me different things. I don't know who to believe. It's oh. always been like that. It's a major problem. And and I think the idea of, you know, what are the standards of and ethics of how we operate our companies, how we communicate to, to our customers and our prospects, that's, you know, as we continue to grow and, you know, become a much more mainstream industry, this this is actually going to become a barrier. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it, it, it's hard to, to not compromise the, the ethics while you're trying to achieve the best financial results and as companies get bigger and bigger there's more financial pressure on that well let's let's talk about mm. let's transition a little bit to financing how, how about um, what kind of operational efficiencies or impacts has the different kinds of financing leasing PPAs pace had on on installer operational efficiency Ooh. yeah one of the things one of the things that I noticed and and I actually worked uh, in this transition. So, you know, when I started out, it was, it was cash. Everything was sold cash. Some people could get loans. And then I worked on the project in Massachusetts to bring Sunrun's lease product into, into Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, you know, the story, the story of solar completely changed overnight. And we were telling people about no money down and all this. But your staffing, you know, your staffing at your company has to completely change in order to support the financial operations around around a lot of these third-party owned models and the additional overhead necessary for all the document compliance and tracking the financial service. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, I, a lot. I, it's, it's one of the big, uh, one of the biggest operational efficiencies that I experienced at Cinnamon Solar is we basically said we're, we're doing cash deals and we're doing deals where the customer finds the financing. But as far as the, the no money down lease things, I realized because I had lived through Sunrun since the beginning that we, I would need to add like at least one full-time equivalent, maybe two, mm-hmm. and, and to handle all that paperwork. And also my job time frames from when I would sell a job to when I would get paid would go from like one month, which is we're, we're right now down to like a month. Mm-hmm. to th- three to six months to get a project done because there's just so many other people involved in the approval process and so much more paperwork. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer of just get everything done fast. And if there's, there's things in your business that are going to increase your overhead and make it take a long time for you to get your, your jobs done, then we just don't do them. Oh, and so this, is sort of, so this is sort of an interesting, you know, what are the big guys doing well? You know, one thing I can say that Vivint Solar has actually done really well is they basically have one product. They're mm-hmm. not trying to offer, you know, this like five or six different financial products. They offer one. They offer one product. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it. So you know, this speaks exactly to this. You know, efficiency here is. You know, if you have to have business processes 
that are different for if it's a cash deal, a loan deal, a lease, a PPA, a PPA with this escalator, with that, you know, then then your business is too complex. And, and your sales process is different. You're going to sit down with a customer and say, okay, here's four different ways to finance the system. It's great to have all that in your sales kit. Some salespeople like it, but I found exactly to your point that the, the fewer choices you give to a customer um, uh, mean that you have a better chance of closing the sale. And, and I had that experience. I looked at the efficiency, the close rates of my salespeople, mm-hmm. and the ones that only offered uh, no money down leases. That was it. They wouldn't even mention cash. They wouldn't mention bank loans. Just no money down leases. By far and away the most efficient. Now, that wasn't always the best deal for the customer, but the salesperson was just killing it. Yeah, it was efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see traditional electrical contractors or roofers or HVAC companies getting into solar? Or are they, um, or are people coming into the solar industry just to specifically do solar? I am definitely starting to see an uptick in traditional trades starting to get into the solar industry. I'd say one barrier that's um, that's keeping some of them out has been they take a look at it and they say, ah, uh, this is really complicated. And, you know, especially for the guys who are like, say, I'm a roofer and I'm a GAF certified roofer. You know, you get GAF certified. They give you a binder. It has all the processes. It has, you know. You just open up the book and you follow all the instructions. There is nothing like that for solar right now. Yep. So I think that's that's a bit of a barrier. I'm heartened to see progress on AB 2188, the permit streamlining bill in California. I think if if streamlining the process of going to a jurisdiction and getting your permit is successful, then a lot more of the trades will start to look at adding solar to their portfolios and i think it's a perfect match yeah i i remember when i got into solar in 2001 there were books and astro power had a sales book and a oh, few other companies had a book. sales book and you would just kind of this was what you would do and it worked out really well but now there's so many software tools out there that the customers are kind of expecting this nice pretty presentation with multiple colors and and that's not in a book and so it does require some some laptop skills and yeah. computer skills in order to do this yeah and actually i'm glad you brought that up because you know as as the solar industry has gotten more complex it has put a lot more it savviness necessity on the solar installer and that can be a barrier for for some folks yeah. in the trades. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 tricky. I mean, it's 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 challenging just the fact that you need an IT guy to hook up the monitoring. And oh, it yeah. always happens. So, where can people find some of the articles and presentations that you've given uh, about the solar industry and about uh, solar installations? Mm, okay, so most most everything is available on my website, which is kaolisti.com. C H A O L Y S T I dot com. Okay, and and can they just search for your name? Will that work? You know, Pamela Cargill Solar. If you search Pamela Cargill Solar, the first like five or six things that come up will definitely be me. All right, that that yeah. that'll be that'll be good. I have the same challenge. People can never spell cinnamon right, so that so Kaolisti is a little bit tricky, also. Um, so that that's good. Um, any other comments or insights that you want to mention to people while we're while we have a little bit more time? Yeah, I did just have a Solar Pro article come out, my first article in Solar Pro, oh. and um, and it really it wraps up a lot of the things that we've discussed today. You know, and the the highlight really was 
looking at all these different software tools that can help you streamline your business. Uh, that, that's cool. All right, great. Well, that's all the time we've got on this week's Energy Show. And thanks, Pam. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. 